A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. As you come to the end of your pregnancy, sexual activity may be the last thing on your mind right now, but eventually you and your partner will be interested in resuming sexual activity. How can you prepare for your birth in a way that will make it easier to restart sexual intercourse? How do you reignite that spark after a vaginal delivery where there was some trauma while at the same time avoiding pain? I'm Susan Melnico, Certified Nurse Midwife, and today we'll be discussing resuming your sexual relationship after pregnancy. This is Preggy Pals, Episode 91. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant. And I have to exercise? What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit! I've got cankles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Annie Laird. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Preggy Pals Club. Our members get special episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. See our website for more information. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app, available in the Android and iTunes Marketplace. Now, our producer, Sunny, is going to tell you a little bit more about our virtual panelist program. Hey, everybody. If you are not in the San Diego area where we broadcast our shows, you can play a part. We want you to become part of this. We want you to submit questions, and um, we want to answer all the questions you guys have um, about the topics that we record on a regular basis. So here's what you need to do. You need to like our Facebook page. For those of you that are on Facebook, if you are on Twitter, you can follow us at Preggy Pals. And uh, look for hashtag Preggy Pals. VP. So what we're going to do is as we're recording here in the studio, and even before we start recording, we're going to start posting questions that we're going to be asking our panelists here in the studio. And you'll have an opportunity to submit any kind of feedback you have on the questions that we're asking. And then we'll start to use those comments within our show. And then at the end of the day, after we're done with all of our tapings, we're going to pick a winner. And that winner will get a free one-month subscription to the Preggy Pals Club. So it's a fun way to get involved, um, even if you're not here in beautiful, sunny San Diego. It is, yeah. My, I'm from Wisconsin, so I, I, my mom was telling me it was like negative two degrees yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. I'm so sorry for those of you that are listening that are not in San Diego. I feel your pain. I, you know, I uh, I waited out on the bus stop in ten degree weather too. So I, I know that's uh, that's oh, no yeah. fun. All right, so let's get uh, going with our panelist introductions. I'm your host Annie Laird. I have three kids, uh, an eight year old, a toddler, and then my baby 
who is getting so big. She is three months old and already like 16, 17 pounds. It's crazy. Those <laughs> breastfed babies. I'm telling, telling you. you what. Yeah. They, they gain the like stuff. gangbusters. I don't think she's on the growth chart anywhere. Uh, <laughs> my day job is I work as a government contractor, as a teacher uh, to sailors, basically. So uh, that's a lot of fun, too. And then I do this on the weekends. So uh, let's go around the table. So I'm Sunny. I'm producing today's show. You guys know me. I am the former host of Preggy Pals, and I just handed over the reins to Annie. So I'm helping out today in the studio um, with all the virtual panelist stuff, as we mentioned earlier. I am a mommy of four. I, uh, I have two boys. My oldest is Sayer. He's three. My middle guy is Urban, and he's about 21, 22 months, right around in there. I think he's about to have a crossover, you know, kind of yeah. birthday kind of thing. <laughs> um, anyways, and then I've got twin identical girls, Ainsley and Addison. Um, right now, I have to look at the wristbands to know who's who. <laughs> um, right now, Addison, identical, yeah. <laughs> Addison's in the studio with us now. She's totally conked out from Mommy's Milk, and um, who knows, um, Ainsley may be joining us. If she squawks, I'm going to go get her. I'll bring her in, and so that's that's the baby noise you may or may not be hearing throughout this episode. We just like to keep it real in here. Yeah, you know. You know this is motherhood. This is, this is how, <laughs> this is, how this life is happens. Life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nancy Bailey. I work with Annie, and I'm also a military wife, and uh, my husband and, and I are expecting our first child, a little girl, in May. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And I'm Susan Melnico. I'm a nurse midwife um, and the mother of one daughter who is almost 30, <laughs> ready to be a grandma, but that hasn't happened yet. And... Um, I have practiced in home, hospital, and birth center. I was at uh, Best Art Birth Center for the last four years, and I am currently in the process of opening a birth center in Encinitas, California, and also working with the hospitalist program at Scripps Encinitas. Great. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing. <laughs> Works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. All right, so a news article, a lot of times for our Preggy Pals episodes, we go into fun news headlines or interesting news headlines having to do with pregnancy. So our news headline for today is Tiny Mom Gives Birth to the Biggest Baby Ever Born in California. So Vanessa Cervantes, she already knows she has has had large babies. She's five foot one. A.K.A. Uh, California Annie Laird. Huh? <laughs> I was going to say, she already knows she has big babies. I said A.K.A. Annie Laird. Oh, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Yeah, my firstborn was a 10-pound, 4-ouncer, and the second one was 8 pounds, 6 ounces. Yeah, so she was a little bit smaller. <laughs> the story isn't about you, though, right? No. It isn't about no. me, though. Okay, okay. No, just checking. Uh, <laughs> Vanessa, she's 5'1", uh, already had two children, a 10-pound, 10 10-ounce 10 boy, 9-pound, 14-ounce girl. And her newest son, Andrew Jacob Cervantes, he entered the world at 15 pounds, two ounces. Ouch. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she she had an emergency C-section. Uh, so she visited the doctor at 38 weeks. Uh, doctor said, hey, the baby's movements have gone down. That just, I, I can't even imagine. So, I mean, how how big were your babies? I imagine you're... Uh, 
yeah, your my twins first. were. Yeah, well, yeah. So my first yeah. was a vaginal birth. That's the only vaginal birth I had, and he mm-hmm. was nine one. So mm-hmm. still not as big as your babies, yeah. but um, he came out looking huge to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Urban, my middle guy, was like just over seven pounds. Yeah. Yeah, and he was born at thirty eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then the twins, you can't really. I mean, they they were preemies, so it's really yeah. hard. To, but they were born at thirty five weeks, um, and right about five and a half pounds. I think that's just isn't that this, and Susan, you'd probably be able to chime on that when you do have twins that's a good thing when they're close in weight like that right it's very good it means they've been growing equally through yeah. the pregnancy yeah you definitely yeah. don't probably that'd be harder on one if you had like a seven pound twin and then a right. four pound right. twin right yeah it does happen but yeah yeah <laughs> it's good when they're pretty close together Susan how old, uh, big was your daughter when she was born she was uh, seven seven and a half pounds oh yeah See, right nice. in the middle yeah, right exactly in the middle. yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, what what now? Do you know how Nancy? How big you were when you were born, or your husband? Oh no, I don't. I've never asked my mom, and now uh, this makes me want to do some. <laughs> yeah, got to do some homework on that. Yeah, I, I guess if I was too big, I would I would know that fact in every lecture she ever. Gave well, me. yeah, I mean, my husband he was uh, ten four, ten pounds four ounces when he wow. was born, and his mother calls him every birthday, every uh, every April twenty second. I was in labor for three days with you. <laughs> Grandma Laird, I love you very much if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, your son appreciates everything that you did to, to give birth to him. But yeah, of course, then my firstborn was also 10 pounds, 4 ounces. That so. is insane. Yeah. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education, is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Today on Preggy Pals, we're discussing resuming your sexual relationship with your partner after you have a baby. Joining us today is our expert panelist, Susan Melnikow. Melnikow? Melnikow. Melnikow. Let me start that again. Joining us today as our expert panelist is Susan Melnikow. Susan has been a certified nurse midwife for 30 years. She's practiced full-scope midwifery in home, birth centers, and hospitals, and she's preparing to open her new birth center, Tree of Life, for healthy birthing and parenting. Susan, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. You know, your experience as a midwife can really contribute today, talking about some of the birth practices women should consider as Mm -hmm. they go into their birth, because I imagine that that really has a lot to do with how easy it is going to be to start back up tremendously, having sex. Tremendously, yeah. yeah. Now, what kind of birth practices should women be considering? Well, one of the things, first of all, is that women should remain pretty active during the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, walking is, I, I have found that women who walk throughout the pregnancy have shorter and a little bit easier labors. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important to stay active, be exercising. You know, squatting is a really good thing to help the perineum stretch. And uh, if you can keep yourself really agile up through the end of the pregnancy, that will help with the labor to Mm -hmm. start with. And then 
uh, women should be talking to their care provider, their uh, doctor or their midwife, about um, their rates of episiotomy and what their feelings are about episiotomy. Now, does like the World Health Organization do they have a a percentage or something like that? I know they have that for C or they had that for C section. I don't know if that's the case anymore. But is there a rate that they say episiotomy should be below X number? Or I no? don't actually know that, but I do know that we're very lucky. We're changing a lot. The American College of uh, the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists no longer recommends episiotomy. Many obstetricians are now learning through their residency programs how to catch babies mm-hmm. without performing a an episiotomy. Mm-hmm. So that's what is the standard at this point. Now, some of the older physicians didn't learn that. So I think it's a little harder if you've been practicing for a long time. Kind of a muscle to memory type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that is an important discussion to have that every pregnant woman should have with their care provider yeah. in terms of the thoughts about episiotomy and what the rates of episiotomy for th- are for their provider. Mm-hmm. What would be a reason that an episiotomy would like would be needed? You know, I'm wondering and if we even need to um, define what an episiotomy is for those that in the audience that might not know what that is? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I was yeah. trying to figure out from the context clues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of waiting it out. <laughs> an episiotomy is actually a surgical cut that is made in the perineal skin. And the perineal skin is that area between the opening of the vagina and the opening of the rectum. Okay. And Year, for many, many, many years, that was how obstetricians learned how to deliver a baby, that it should be part of the process. Mm-hmm. And we now know that... Nancy's shaking her head right now, going, <laughs> oh, dear oh, Lord. That is not what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm glad we defined it. <laughs> In past decades, that was seen as a routine part of giving birth vaginally. Luckily, now we realize that the uh, a woman's body has a wonderful propensity to stretch around the baby's head and that it really should not be necessary as a routine procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way most midwives look at it, and I believe most doctors now, is that it is really kind of an emergency procedure. Mm-hmm. When we do need to expedite the birth, I personally do it if the if I'm concerned about the baby, if I hear the baby's heart rate going down. And this usually it's not done until the baby's head is crowning. Mm-hmm. We can see a full crown of the baby's head, and that's when it's appropriate to be done. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't do it at all unless I'm hearing a problem with the baby's heartbeat. Or if I can tell that we're going to end up having a tear that's going to be much larger than an, a little snip would be. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I guess that kind of goes into my next question then. Is it better to tear naturally than to be have an episiotomy cut? In general, it is better to tear naturally. Yeah. Um, it usually doesn't go through the muscle layer if you tear a little bit. Usually just the skin and the vaginal mucosa will tear, and we can stitch that back up really easily under local anesthetic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how does tearing, how does that affect uh, resuming the recovery, basically, and the pain after childbirth? It does make a difference. Mm -hmm. And it depends on how many stitches there were and kind of how extensive either the tear or the episiotomy was. Yeah. And um, most women heal really, really well. And by about four to six weeks are really ready to be sexually active again. Mm -hmm. But some women aren't. And so that needs to be taken into account. Mm -hmm. So it's real, real important that, you know, adequate care is given of the stitches afterwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've I tore with I've uh, three vaginal births under under my belt as as it were, and uh, two of them I tore, one I didn't, and uh, it was interesting because um, two of them I think were the same degree of tear. There was mm-hmm. a second degree mm-hmm. tear, but one recovery was much harder than the other, and it, I I don't know why that was, and so it's always hard to say. It could yeah. be where the tear occurred. That's true. Yeah, it could be how much sleep you were getting afterwards. I don't know if your whole recovery was different because mm-hmm. that can happen. Um, when you know, women oftentimes become sleep deprived when they're taking care of their babies, and that can um, make a difference in how the healing goes. Yeah, um, how active you are. It's real important to take those first couple of weeks and really be at home and not be out and about a lot. Um, taking naps in the afternoon, just really, really doing a lot of self-care to make sure that that will facilitate the healing as well. Okay. Now, backing up a little bit more, is there any evidence for a perineal massage? Uh, so we're talking, what, what are your thoughts Ahead on of that? times during pregnancy you're talking about? Yes, yeah. yes. It's very And what is perineal massage? I guess yeah. we should, you know, okay. define that as well. Perineal yeah. massage is when that area of skin can be massaged with just a finger or two, either by the woman herself or by her partner, um, using a lubricant, you yeah. know, um, I was going to say, that, that would probably have to be like the, I mean, I'm trying to think how my big my belly was at the end, and Sunny, gosh, you had, you had twins, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know, I imagine a partner's help would be needed sometimes, so. Well, it's really interesting because I've come, in the 30 years I've been practicing, I've come full turn on what I think about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Previously, when I was a nurse and a childbirth educator, I was teaching all women to do perineal massage, and I thought it would make a big difference. And as a midwife, I've kind of realized over the years that I don't think it really makes a huge difference. And so I leave it up to the woman. I tell her about it, but I leave it up to her. Mm -hmm. Some women really feel like they're doing something proactive and they think it will help. And other women find it very uncomfortable and don't want to do it at all. Yeah. So... I think either way is perfectly fine. I'm not sure it makes a big difference. Yeah. I know in my childbirth education class, they were talking about, you know, doing it to the point of like stretching intensely, but not burning in pain. I'm like, this doesn't sound like something that I want to engage Uh in. Uh (laughs) I'm like, oh Uh my gosh, you know, so. I find that most women stretch just beautifully as the head descends through the vaginal canal Mm -hmm. and that you know, the more that we are hands off and leave everything alone, the baby and the mom's body know what to do. Just a quick note to our listeners out there. We did a whole episode on episiotomies, tearing and perineal massage. So check out the episode guide on our website for all that information. Oh, great. (laughs) Good. What about like warm compresses? Would that be something that as the baby is, is being born, that's something that would make it less traumatic? That will facilitate it. Definitely the warmth, um, helps the tissues to relax. You want the muscles to be relaxed and that warmth usually feels really good for many women mm-hmm. and that will help. So, um, get, providing counter pressure. As the baby's head is crowning, as a midwife, I always put my hand against the perineal area to support it. Mm-hmm. And I find that that also helps the area to stretch. Um, you know, it's counter pressure against the force of the baby's head as it's coming through. And in some First-time moms who have a long second stage where they're pushing for several hours, I have actually used ice rather than heat. And I have found that that's been really useful because with long pushing periods, sometimes the perineal area will swell. Mm. And when you use ice, moms tell me it feels really good and it it decreases the the swelling. swelling, So then they're less likely to tear as well. That's great. Yeah. So it's very individual with each mom. 
Well, great. When we come back, we're going to be discussing C-section and recovery from that as far as it relates to resuming sex. We'll be right back. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Welcome back. Today we're talking about resuming your sexual relationship after childbirth. Now, Susan, up to this point, we've talked about vaginal birth, uh, but in one in three women here in the United States, they uh, do have a cesarean birth. So how is that different? How is that recovery different as far as resuming the the sexual relationship? For the moms who have had a cesarean, the issues um, are going to be a little different. Mm -hmm. Usually they don't have issues with their perineal area or their vaginal area, but they do have issues with the the incision in their abdomen for the cesarean. Mm -hmm. So they want to make sure that that has completely healed, you know, that it's um, it's all intact and it looks good and it's healing well. Oftentimes they have more pain for a longer period of time in the abdominal area where the incision is. Mm -hmm. So that can affect a mom in terms of her readiness um, to be sexually active again. If she's still having some discomfort, she may not be ready. Yeah. Now, going on the other side of this, though, I'm sure there's women that say, I felt, I feel fine, you know, two uh-huh. weeks after having a baby. What are the considerations? I mean, is there any reason why a, a woman, if she felt up to it, obviously her partner probably felt up to it too, unless he was up, you know, feeding the baby a bottle or whatever, you know, and he sleep deprived too. But I mean, what are the, are there any risks to well, having, so- of having sex before that period? For a vaginal birth, we just, for both, for, for all women, you want to make sure that you're not bleeding any longer. You want the bleeding to have subsided because that is your body's way of telling you that your cervix is now closed. Oh, okay. Now, how long does that normally take? How long do women initially bleed? Some be- some people will stop about two weeks and other people won't <sighs> stop till six weeks. Man, I was like seven weeks with yeah. each of my kids. It sucked. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, usually after a vaginal birth, it takes two to three weeks for the cervix to close down. Mm-hmm. And usually that'll be reflected in this bleeding. And if, if most of the bleeding's gone and it's only a little tiny bit of spotting and you're two to three weeks out, it's probably fine to begin s- and be sexually active again. Okay. Um, for a cesarean, usually uh, two weeks might be a little soon for the incision. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, it's again, everything is very individual. Women are unique beings. And so we can't just say there's a total rule of thumb that this is what happens. Yeah. But um, you would want to make sure that that incision is completely, you know, healed. Um, it has dried. It's not, there's no chance that it would open. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Sonny, you've had two cesareans now, or I'm sorry, uh, yes, you've yeah. had two cesareans. So, uh, I mean, how does that work? Is Are there, are there stitches that need to be taken out? Are there staples? How, how You know, you'd be able to give a, you know, better uh, yeah. testimonial kind of what the healing process is there right. postpartum. Well, I, I was actually different for um, the two births that I had cesareans for. So for my first one, they did staples. Okay. And then they took those out before I left, you know, so I was in the hospital for a few days and then they took those out, which I thought was going to be really painful. Mm-hmm. It's actually really not that painful when they take them out. I'm like, taking staples out sounds really painful, yeah. but it wasn't. Um, and then with the um, with the twins, 
I, I'm going to get the name of it wrong, and maybe Susan, you would know better, but they didn't do Staples. I was expecting Staples. Yeah, because it was the, that's same, what you the first time. Yeah. yeah, same hospital and everything. Yeah. And it was something like, I can't remember, Invisible something? And Well, they're doing, they've gone to doing sutures um, okay. under the skin. Yeah. And they feel like it leaves less of a scar than the Staples do. I don't think they were... S- I don't think they were. There's also sutures. a type of glue. Is that what I think you're it was about? a glue. Oh. And you know what? The the official name of it is super glue. Yeah, it is like super. Glue. <laughs> it's a medical super glue. Wow, that's being used. Yeah, yeah. no, I think, and that's what they told me because I, I didn't really, I didn't really look at the scar or anything yeah. afterward because they have you bandaged up and stuff. And and believe it or not, I mean, I don't know for people out there who haven't had a cesarean yet, you still bleed. You bleed a lot afterward because I was thinking, oh well, it's coming out of my belly. It's not coming out of me vaginally. I'm not going to bleed. But the no, lining no, no. of the uterus still yes, has to come out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I was shocked at yeah. how much you know I bled vaginally. I, I really didn't look at it too much. And then when I went to be discharge I said well you have to take my staples out right and they're like oh you don't have staples I'm like what (laughs) this whole time I was thinking I had staples so yeah yeah anyways that was my experience with the stitching or whatever the staples I mean I had a um uh ectopic pregnancy when my first daughter was she was only a year old but yeah I had the staples as well and remembering the same thing going oh my gosh like I was dreading the appointment had like cold sweats and sweaty palms and like oh this is gonna be awful you know but compared to compared to you know nearly giving birth <laughs> well yeah compared to compared to giving birth yeah I, I had I had Mr. Epidural for number birth yeah. number one that worked beautifully which, <laughs> yeah so now, Susan the first time that a woman has sex you know I mean she goes into her her OB her midwife gets the A-OK at the six-week appointment um I mean is sex when they have sex for the first time, is is pain to kind of be expected as par for the course? I have found that it's very individual. Um, And the other thing to take, we have to step back for a minute and look at women's readiness to be sexually active. I find that that's extremely variable also. Um, You need to look at what's going on. If you're breastfeeding your baby, you have a whole different concoction of hormones in your body, which can affect your libido because you have a lot of cuddling time with the baby. You're secreting dopamine and oxytocin, and those are the hormones that get secreted when you have an orgasm. So oftentimes women's libido goes down after they've given birth, Mm. and they may not have the same desire. And again, it's very, very different. I've worked with a lot of women who are ready to be sexually active at two to three weeks, and they just want the okay. And then I've worked with a lot of women who are not even ready at six weeks emotionally. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very important to look at the larger context of where a woman's at. Yeah. And um, the other thing that I think is important is that, you know, as women, we're a little different sexually than men are. And the relationship factor, communication, and the romance factor is extremely important. And I have found that especially with postpartum women. They want to feel nurtured, and they want to feel connected and communicative with their partner. And so all of that, I think, impacts their readiness to be sexually active again. Yeah, so hey guys, if you're listening here, <laughs> taking notes for Valentine's Day. Exactly, taking notes for Valentine's Day. You know, according to Susan the Midwife, you know, if you want that sexual relationship to start a little bit sooner, you know, doing the dishes and taking care of the older <laughs> children. Exactly. Well, it goes a long way. Go a long way. You, you know, know, I'm almost wondering when you're talking about that nurturing relationship, I'm wondering if that's because that's what we were doing for nine months for our children. You know, it's, it's right. that we're so familiar with it because that's what we've been doing for so long. Then 
then it's gone, uh-huh. and we're looking for it elsewhere. Maybe I'm getting a little, you know, it's psychologist. Very deep. <laughs> very deep, isn't it? <laughs> well, um, I think it's also important for women women to acknowledge where they're at yeah. and communicate that with their partners, but also to understand where their partner's at. Because usually it's real different after having given birth. You know, a woman's body has been occupied by her baby for nine months, and now she's nurturing her baby. And she has constant physical contact with the baby if she's breastfeeding. And so that kind of meets a lot of her needs. But her partner doesn't have that. <laughs> and so it's very important to come together and understand where each person is emotionally and psychologically and communicate about that so that they can come to a mutual. Yeah. I, I don't want to scare Nancy here. You know, first oh, time I'm here right. in no. the studio, you know, just, but it is probably the m- most challenging transition was that, oh, I don't have any kids. And hey, what restaurant do you want to go out to? Oh, I don't know. Let's just drive around and pick one and to being the 24 7 the constant need nobody told me about the fourth trimester about just that intense connection to the baby and how needy they are you have to do everything for them well, and it's a huge transformation mm-hmm. and um, I am a birthing from within mentor <laughs> and one of the things that we focus on is the postpartum period and in the research that's been done it actually takes anywhere from three months to three years for a mom and a dad and a couple together to come back to a sense of balance in terms of who they are and where their relationship is at. It's not usually just the six weeks like our society kind of thinks it is. Well, Susan, uh, to finish off here today, let's talk a little bit about um, breastfeeding your baby, how that can affect the hormones and uh, vaginal dryness in some cases. Yes. That, is that correct? How, that how does is that correct. all work? Well, all the hormones are very, very different um, after birth as well as during pregnancy. They don't go back to kind of the pre-pregnant state until after you stop breastfeeding. So you need to take that into consideration. And one of the side effects is that usually there is a lot of vaginal dryness. So we always recommend a lubricant use during um, sexual activity um, when you're breastfeeding. That will help tremendously. Do you have to be careful at all with like the spermicides and all that, you know, that come with some of those creams and gels or whatever, lubricants? In terms of the breastfeeding? Um, in terms of, you know, what you do like right after having a baby, like when you're when you're ready to resume your sex. I just wasn't, I wasn't sure if like that could cause an infection or, you know, anything No, like it's that. okay to use those. Okay. I mean, as long as the, the major part of your bleeding has stopped so that you can be assured that your cervix is closed, there shouldn't be um, a risk with that. Yeah. I guess that's something to consider as well for our listeners that are pregnant, uh, talking about, you know, birth control. That is something that, you know, you need to think about that before you give birth, uh, unless you want to be like me and up. And I had an awful night last night, you know, being (laughs) up just, I mean. Your kids can be your birth control, really. Oh, (laughs) I'll tell you what, after number three, but, you know, that that was after after number two, I was like, oh, let's do it again. So we did. So like my kids, my number two and three are 16 months apart. And now with number three, I'm like, okay, I need some like serious like birth control. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a huge decision to make as to how you are going to prevent an, uh, another pregnancy right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. And if it's you want that. <laughs> a lot of first time moms don't realize oh, it's that. It's something I've definitely thought about, but haven't done the research yet. So. <laughs> yeah. Many, um, many moms will not have regular periods when they're breastfeeding. And I've, many, many moms will ovulate prior to having a period and they don't know that they're fertile again. And then they conceive. Yes, um, that w- that was me <laughs> <laughs> at work. 
throwing up in the toilet going (laughs) wait a second well thanks susan for joining us today for more information about susan and her midwifery practice as well as information about our new birthing center up in north county of san diego very exciting visit the episode page on our website this conversation continues for members of our preggy pals club after the show susan will be talking about Uh, talking to us about the nuts and bolts of starting up your sexual life again. What positions are the best ones to start to avoid discomfort? To join our club, visit our website, www.preggypals.com. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing (laughs) works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Hi, I'm Jennifer Durbin, the author of Pregnancy Tips for the Clueless Chick and the mother of two wonderful little boys. I'd love to share with you my tips for pampering yourself during your pregnancy. While you're busy preparing for the arrival of your little one and all the craziness that will come with parenthood, don't forget to take care of yourself and your partner. Having a baby is one of the most wonderful and difficult things in the world, and every mother will tell you that a baby instantly becomes your number one priority. But for the sake of the baby and your sanity, don't forget to take care of yourself. Whether you plan to get a prenatal massage, spend a day at the spa with a girlfriend, or even take a day off of work to do a whole lot of nothing, it's important to schedule some time for yourself before things get crazy. You may want to plan a fun pre-baby girls' night out or a date night where you're not allowed to talk about the baby. Both are fun ways to celebrate you. It's also fun to step outside of your box if you're in a funk and wear something super trendy that you might not normally wear. If you've been cleared to exercise during your pregnancy, find a local prenatal yoga or aqua aerobics class. This is not only a great way to exercise, but also the perfect way to meet other pregnant women. And finally, my favorite pamper yourself tip, make a list of all the pregnancy don'ts that you've been dying to do, like eating sushi or having a glass of wine then you can look forward to checking everything off of your list after the baby's born. While you're planning for some much-needed pampering, don't forget that your partner is on this wild ride with you. While you're the one with all of the aches and pains who cannot tie her own shoes, your partner has been there to listen to all of your woes and be a shoulder for you to cry on when your hormones are raging. Remember that time you spilled grape juice on your brand new top and cried for two hours straight? So look for a special way that you can surprise him with his favorite dinner or a night out with the boys. For more great tips, visit CluelessChick.com. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, Twin Talks for parents of twins, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we're talking about how you know that you are in labor, This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. 
While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.